Hey guys, and welcome to the Living With Our Hope podcast. My name is Lena Abu Jamra. Try to say that name. It is fun to say, and it is great to have you back here. And we are uh, the Living With Power Hope podcast, where we talk about faith, life, culture, and everything in between. I share biblical truth for everyday life, and I do it because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I count myself a Christian, and I hope you do too. And if you don't, welcome. Anyway, we love you too, maybe even more. <laughs> but uh, wherever you're coming from in life, whatever led you here, we're glad you're here. Hey, I'm in a series right now called Dear Lena, where people send me questions about faith, life, and culture, and everything in between. And I try my best to give you an answer in three bullet point uh, answers. I am a pediatric ER doctor by training. I now practice telehealth, and I tend to think in outline form. And so if you love that, great. And I try to keep the episodes under 20 minutes when we're doing the Dear Lena episodes. We sometimes do interviews and we sometimes do messages that I've given sermons and such. So whatever it is that you're looking for, I hope you find it here. And I hope more than that, that you find Jesus here. Uh, today, we've got a great Dear Lena question. Uh, before we get to that, let me remind you that you can find out more about our uh, ministry at livingwithpower.org and that you can uh, also subscribe to this podcast so that every week you just get an automatic reminder that we have a, another episode dropped. And so if you're ready for it, I think I am. Uh, we've got a fun episode today. Here it is. Dear Lena, what does self-defense look like for a Christian? Now, I got this question about a month ago, a couple months ago, when uh, there was a lot going on, and probably still is, by, uh, but, but at the time, I think some of the dynamics that were going on, uh, without getting into too many details, but entailed somebody who had shot somebody and... Uh, uh, it was in self-defense, and uh, I don't know if the person is a Christian or not. I don't necessarily think that person is, is, claims to be a Christian. I, I don't know that I followed it that carefully, but eventually that person was uh, uh, acquitted by the uh, jury and was not charged with murder because it was thought to be self-defense. And it raised up a lot of argument and continues to have uh, some hugely partisan opinions on what happened there. And it brought up the question without getting into uh, the uh, details of that particular case. I think this type of, of scenario happens all the time. And so I think it is an important point for Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, to hold to God's word, to answer this question, what does self-defense look like for the Christian, the follower of Jesus Christ? And I believe with all my heart that God's word speaks to that. And I'd like to address that today in three uh, ideas, in three bullet point ideas. And so uh, here, here's what I think. Number one, self-defense looks like trusting God even when my rights are being attacked. Now, some of you automatically are just up in an uproar when I say that. But uh, let the Bible make its own uh, compelling uh, argument. I... Uh, I believe it does. Uh, Self-defense looks more like trusting God even when my rights are being attacked. It looks like trusting God even when my rights are being attacked. The American spirit says, if my rights are attacked, I'm going to fight back. The American spirit says, don't you dare step on my lawn or I have a right to shoot you. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible shows over and over again people, in, particularly in the New Testament, whose rights were attacked, who were put in prisons, who were beat for the faith, uh, even when they didn't deserve that, and uh, who uh, did not fight back, but rather trusted God. Uh, it is more common to lose arguments in the public sector as a Christian than to win them. That's a fact. Like, we will not win arguments as Christians in the public sector. I mean, we see that all the way from the early church when 
when Peter and John and others, they were witnessing and telling about Jesus. And then there was a sort of this, um, this uproar from the, from the, usually from the leaders and from the religious leaders, and they put them in the prisons. And, and, and uh, it, it, there was no point in trying to argue things politically. And remember at the time, the accusation was like, Jesus was supposed to be the king. And, and of course he died. And then they said that he rose again. And so there was debates about what happened to Jesus. And, and there was a sense that there was a revolution that was growing. And, and so the, the leaders of that day and age wanted to shut the disciples up. And, and, uh, and it was the job of the disciples in those instances to trust God. And so rather than fighting, they didn't fight. You don't see them bringing arms. You don't see them standing with guns and stones and, and slings to fight the leaders. On the contrary, they trusted God even when their rights were attacked. In fact, their rights were attacked. And rather than hold an argument in the public sector, by the way, very few people in, in, in the New Testament really had any kind of engaged argument in the public sector. Probably Paul the Apostle is one of the few. And it wasn't a loud, offensive argument. It was a thoughtful debate in the public sector. And he lost to the eyes of the world. He was put in prison. And so he didn't even win it. And so... The idea as Americans that we're going to get in the public sector and fight about our faith and win. Now, get up and speak the truth if, if that's the space God has given you in the right time. But to fight specifically in a violent manner, because we're talking about self-defense, and I really think in this, the context of this question is the violence that, in, that entails, um, you know, the justification that, well, if my rights are being attacked, then I can use my gun and I can shoot people. Well, listen, um, that, doesn't, that is not a biblical strategy. And so it takes more uh, maturity to trust God to fight for me than for me to fight for God. I remember when the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, events were happening, uh, you know, everybody felt justified. You know, everybody who believes in personal rights was like, well, he was protecting his grandma's, you know, whatever, gas station. And therefore, it was okay that he had a gun and he killed people. I don't believe that was okay. By the way, I'll just come up front and say that because... Um, I think when, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, just because it might be your political right to have a gun on your own property, if you live in a house and you have a gun, it takes more maturity to trust God to fight for you than for me to fight for God. And many, many missionaries have modeled that immensely well. Forget if you want to step away, okay, from the New Testament model, you go, what about, what, what has been the precedence among missionaries and people who have loved and served Jesus? People have gone and put themselves in places, in countries. I, I remember serving uh, on short-term mission trips in Venezuela, and I remember that missionaries would like be living in those areas that were dangerous, and and, and you, they could have had the argument, well, we're going to carry guns. I remember recently the 12 people that were kidnapped in Haiti, they didn't have guns on the bus in order to fight the potential kidnappers. They understood that it took a certain level of maturity to discern that God wanted them to be missionaries in certain spaces. And with that in mind, they went knowing their lives might be at risk, but they were doing it for the sake of the gospel. The problem with us in the United States is most of us are not living with this intentionality. Most of us are not asking the question, God, where do you want me to live? How do you want me to live? So there's no sense of a bigger kingdom-mindedness. And so we think it's up to us to protect our rights because by God's, whatever, by, by any, you know, here in this country, we can have a gun. And so, and this isn't even about gun rights or not. I don't frankly care. I'm from another country where people did believe in owning guns. We didn't have an NRA in Lebanon because everyone had not just guns, but they had whatever else they AK whatever 47s and others I don't even know the names of the things they owned and that didn't mean that as a Christian as none of the pastors I grew up with had guns even though we lived in an extremely dangerous place with plenty of terrorists but why because we understood as maturing followers of Jesus that it takes more maturity 
to trust God to fight for us. And if God has put you in a place, whether it's West Beirut, Lebanon, where I grew up, or Venezuela, or here in the streets of Chicago, that if God has you in a neighborhood, then, then he'll protect you. And, uh, and that doesn't mean you don't call the cops if you feel like you're in danger. That's what 911 is for. But that doesn't mean you take a gun and start shooting at leisure because you are on your property and you want to protect your rights. And so self-defense looks more like trusting God even when my rights are being attacked. It takes more maturity to trust God. It takes more humility to silently trust God than to proudly fight for what's mine. I know, I know, I know some of you are upset with my statement so far. I'm so sorry. I genuinely, I'm not trying to upset you, but I genuinely believe that, that it takes more humility to silently, quietly trust God than to proudly fight for what's mine. That concept is ingrained in the American DNA. I've been here since I was 15. I'm hitting my mid-century this year. In a couple of months, I'll be 50. I've lived most of my life in the United States, and I believe I have the American spirit in terms of independence and rights, and it takes more humility and maturity for me to shut up. And, and listen, I don't have a gun. I don't want a gun, but I can tell you we don't even need a gun. We can, we can model that where I, my growth point, I got to shut up when it's my right on the phone, when I'm, when I'm talking to somebody over something that I'm growing in that. And I'm learning that it takes humility not to always have to fight for what's mine, to trust that God is the vindicator. He will fight for us. Self-defense looks like trusting God even when, when my rights are being attacked. Secondly, Self-defense looks like staying silent when I rightfully have something to say. We, we're in this age now where we think, man, just because I can say it, then I should. And I don't think that's always true. I look at the New Testament model and I tell you, there were people, every one of the men or women in scripture who followed Jesus could have said stuff. They all knew what they were living for. They believed strongly in what they were living for, but they didn't. Get out into the, I mean, they spoke, they would proselytize. I mean, they were out there telling about Jesus. But when the, you know, I mean, there was one instance when, when, when the authorities said to Peter and John, hey, if you keep preaching, we're going to shut you up. And they said, we are going to obey God rather than men. And we cannot help but speak of what God has done. But that's different. That's a different posture than I'm going to give you my opinion on masks, whether you want to hear it or not. And here's why I think it's true. I want to give you my opinions on gun control. Whether I'm not even this podcast. If you think this is about gun control, then you haven't heard a word because I don't frankly care if, if you have a gun or believe the NRA or support them with them. It's not, that's not, it, it's irrelevant to our life as kingdom Christ followers and kingdom living people. It is irrelevant. And so, you know, I think, I think these are, again, I think this is such a radical way of thinking where we choose to stay silent when we rightfully could say something. See, we act like it all relies on me. If I say something, then it will get done. And see, faith says it relies on God. Faith in God puts the weight of the affairs on the Lord. And, and, and we have this, we understand intuitively that there's a time to speak the truth and love, but most of us don't, we, we act as if it's our responsibility to always speak the truth and, and what we think love, but what I think is speaking truth and love is not in love on the ears of the person who disagrees with me. And so uh, there's a time to speak the truth and love, but most of us way overuse this principle. We think every status update on our social media is our opportunity to speak the truth in love. And you ask the people again who are against your opinions and they do not hear the love. They hear harshness, they hear judgment, and, uh, 
And, and I know that some of us have been led to believe that if we don't speak about a, an issue, that means that we don't have an opinion about an issue. That is not the truth. You can have an opinion on something and you don't have to give your opinion every single time. And so there's a time to speak the truth in love, but those words are best received when they are asked for and usually in a context of a healthy relationship. Listen, I have been able to share the word of Christ. I have been able to share the gospel with people who are 180 degrees opposed to me in every way. And yet I've been able to do it when they've asked me for it and they've been fallen on soft hearts as opposed to the times when I've tried to speak my piece and my opinion just because I wanted to get out there and argue and it never works. Listen, you might gain some people who already think like you do, but you have not made a dent in the people whose hearts God is trying to seek. So there's a time to speak the truth in love, but we have to earn the relationship equity to speak those words. So if we would just spend more time trying to build relational equity with our neighbors, with people that we don't understand, rather than just shoving truth bombs down their throats. And, and, and again, I, I think some of these, if we can choose to agree to disagree. I mean, there are Christians who are gonna believe in gun ownerships and others that are gonna not believe in it. I get it, there are ones who are gonna feel more comfortable if they are living way out in the West, somewhere on a farm and they need a gun in case a bear shows up. Like, I get it, I get the nuances. And, and, and by God's grace, we can somehow live in a space in the church where we can talk about these things without being so hateful, mad at one another. I'm not mad at you. If I'm not even mad at you if you disagree with me on the outcome of a verdict. But I think we need to rethink what it looks like to self-defend ourselves in a, in a, in a culture where, where we're trying to be a light for Jesus. So self-defense looks like trusting God even when my rights are being attacked. Number two, self-defense looks like staying silent even when I rightfully have something to say. I love the Apostle Paul model when the leaders, when he was in prison, they wanted to hear from him. They were like, bring him out. We want to hear him. In fact, when at one point he had the chance not to go to Rome and he said, no, I'm going to Rome. And he went to Rome and he was able to stand before the leaders in Rome and speak the truth. And so God will open doors for us to speak his truth in the public sector upon invitation. And that truth will fall on hearts that are receptive. I see this modeled by many right now. Not everybody's always dropping truth bombs. Maybe that's you too, and I commend you if you're able to do it. But let's think through that. And so lastly, when it comes to self-defense and the Christian, self-defense looks like holding back when I have the ability to fight. Again, you go back, that has to do with trust. We can fight sometimes. Sometimes we are able to fight. We have the means, we have the ability, but sometimes it's a means to meaning resources. Maybe you can hire a lawyer and go after somebody. Listen, self-defense as a Christian sometimes means you hold back even when you have the ability to fight. There's not an instance in the New Testament where the disciples were called to fight, though they were often called to testify when asked. Like, like you'll see this model where you don't see a lot of invitations for the disciples by, by, by Christ and by the Holy Spirit to fight. You really don't see that. You, you see an invitation to pray. You see an invitation to be quiet. You see an invitation to move on to other areas. When the persecution got strong, they scattered into other areas. The word of God spread to other areas. But there's not an instance where they were called to fight back, kill Rome. That was not part of the lingo. They, they, in fact, I don't even see any of the disciples and the early church leaders running for office. I have friends who are running for office here. Again, I'm, I'm not saying everything has to be 180, 100% the same. I'm not, I'm really not. But 
I think we have to ponder, like, where are our efforts best used? And there will be some of us who will be called to run for office, and may God be with you, and we will pray for you. So I believe in the means of, of getting engaged in the public sector, but just to do it in a way that looks Christian and biblical. There's, there's not an instance in the New Testament where the disciples are called to fight, but there is an instant in the New Testament where the disciples were rebuked for fighting even when it seemed they could. Do you remember that? Jesus was being arrested on the night before his crucifixion, and Peter, his most vocal disciple, his most, you know, like, 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 what do you, like, eight, Enneagram, like, impulsive, outright, speak your mind, don't hold back, no filter guy. He takes his sword out and cuts, chops the ear of the guy coming, the, the, the soldier, because he's like, you will not come into this garden and arrest us. He's rightfully angry. And he, you could say, man, he had the right to defend. And in the United States language, it would be like, get your guns out and go after them. Do not touch my guy, Jesus. And Jesus takes the ear and puts it back and heals the guy and says, put your swords away. Put your swords away. That's not how we win the battle. That is not how we win the battle. You want to hear about self-defense? It is Jesus being crucified on a cross, praying, my God, my God, will you, how I have your, I was going to say, praying, God, will you forgive them? They do not know what they're doing. And uh, if more of us who call ourselves Christians would model the behavior of Jesus in that instance, where he could have called the angels of heaven to come down and free him from the cross and kill his enemies, but he didn't. Instead, he yielded himself to the Father, knowing that this sacrifice would end up being the salvation of the world. And listen, I wonder, I just wonder if most of us were willing to sacrifice our rights and speak less and live more faithfully and dependently and trustingly. I just wonder how much of an impact we as the church would have on this culture. I wonder if that might be the gateway to revival. And I know to some of you listening, this sounds like anathema to your American spirit, but I urge you to take this matter prayerfully to God. I'm not talking about, about making a fire pit and putting your guns in it. I think that would be bad. They would blow up or something. But, but the concept that you can go on Twitter and see people running for office who call themselves Christians, who are putting the picture of their kids and family this last Christmas on a Christmas card with their big AK-47, giving away guns at church services, I, I actually think that's sacrilegious. And may God protect us from his own wrath when he comes back and finds us fighting for the right for gun ownership and fighting for the right to kill those who come on our turf as opposed to living the way that Jesus lived. And so I need more of that. Maybe I don't own a gun. Maybe my tool, my instrument of fighting is my tongue. May God silence me. Listen, I plead to you. I put myself humbly before you. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm getting this right. I am just saying that I'm challenged by the, model, by the model of Scripture that yielded its right of a Savior who gave up his life, who forfeited his rights in order to make a bigger impact on the kingdom of God. Hey, are you willing to at least let God's word challenge you in this? Would you read the New Testament and ask God to speak to you on this? And... Uh, if you hated this and you don't agree, it's not a big deal. You don't have to keep following the podcast. I wish you do. I hope you do. But I'm fair if not, if not, if not anything at all other than that. But, um, but, but for now, I just want you to know that I will uh, pray that God, may you give us wisdom and discernment as we think about those difficult topics. And may you uh, bring revival to our country through the yielding of your children to your spirit and to your word. And may, Lord, may you protect us as we face real dangers and the possibility of 
uh, real persecution in the near future. And so may God, may you be praised and may your kingdom be expanded throughout everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey guys, I would love to get more challenging questions from you. Uh, send them to dearlina at livingwithpower.org. In the meantime, let's be praying for one another. Let's be praying for unity. We don't always have to disagree, to agree on everything, but let us agree on being one body. We follow one Savior, Jesus Christ, and uh, and we pray for him. Uh, again, I love you guys, uh, and I consider you my brother and sister in Christ if you claim the name of Jesus. I will be back here next Thursday. I hope you come back too. Share this episode with somebody you love if you'd like, and if not, uh, uh, just uh, check out our website, livingwithpower.org. Join our community. I teach the Bible live on Thursday nights. I would love to invite you to be there tonight. On that note, have a great day. I'm praying for you. May God give you his favor, and may you be aware of his presence throughout every moment of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care, guys.